What is going on everyone? Welcome back to Raise the Apple. We got a little bit of mess to talk about today. We got some Major League Baseball history that was made last night. And then we're going to wrap up with a little uh, standings roundup. Kind of see what's going on, around, going on around the league. So let's dive right into it. First of all though, before we get into any of that, today is Jackie Robinson Day across Major League Baseball. It is one of my favorite uh, what do you, I don't want to say, holiday, holiday, is that what the proper, favorite event, let's go with that, favorite event, one of my favorite events of the year is Jackie Robinson Day, everyone, for those of you who don't know, everyone across Major League Baseball will wear number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier, the first African American to play Major League Baseball, one of the greatest on and off the field to ever do it. It is one of my favorites, Jackie Robinson, one of my favorite, personally one of my favorite players of all time. It is an awesome, awesome day, and it's it's really fun to watch the Dodgers too, considering Jackie played for the Dodgers. It's it's fun watching all of that, all of that happen. This started actually. It's part one. We'll have we have two things for today in baseball history. But part one of it is with Jackie Robinson Day because in 2004, that is when it started. It This year is now uh, 74 years, if my math is correct, 74 years since Jackie Robinson broke a color barrier into Major League Baseball. An amazing, amazing, amazing day. But for the now we're going to transition to the Mets. They won again last night. That is three in a row. They are in sole possession of first place in the NL East. They have a game lead over the Phillies. They currently sit at 5-3. and three. A positive run differential. Now, I bring up run differential because that run differential is... They are at plus 3 right now. Run differential is, over the past couple years, I feel like has become a more telling stat about teams. I, don't, I personally don't look too much into run differential, but it, I, it's worth pointing out just because the analytic people out there it's tend to be something that is talked about a lot more than it may have in the past but last night David Peterson was fantastic pitched six innings struck out 10 which tied his career high kind of thought he would have gone a little longer but it is the start of the season so you're uh, not and with the way the game's changing because of analytics you don't want guys seeing the third time through the order anymore which changes everything. So it's I I personally don't like the new analytic approach to it. I mean, we saw how it worked out for the Rays in Game Six of the World Series, but that's just that's the way the game's going to. Good or bad, you could make the argument both ways. But today the Mets have a uh, 12-10 game early afternoon game today. Jacob Degrom is getting the start, hoping to get his first win of the year. He will take on, well, should be his third one of the year, but we won't go into that. Taking on Zach Eiflin of the Phillies. The Mets will be going for the four-game sweep before they head to Colorado this weekend. Hopefully they get in a game today, or hopefully it's just delayed for a little bit. Last time I looked on Twitter, the tarp was on the field at City Field, and by the time this is uploaded, the game will either be underway or... The tarp will still be on the field and they'll be delayed and hopefully not. Hopefully they're not postponed. But they're running into more tr- more weather trouble this weekend when they're in Colorado because it's supposed to snow on Friday, which 
I okay, sure. And it's supposed to be cold this weekend in Colorado, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a great weekend for baseball. But Degrom's going today. Tomorrow in Colorado is still uh, labeled as a TBD for who's starting, but Luis Rojas did say Robert Gesellman could be a candidate to start. The Mets have yet to use Gesellman. He's the, if I'm not mistaken, he's the only reliever in the bullpen that is still yet to be used. So Gesellman most well Gesellman was a starter when he first came up. For if those of you who remember, so he may open or pitch or get the opener role and all that. On Friday, Joey Lucchesi is expected to start Saturday, and then I believe it's Marcus Stroman on Sunday, if I'm if I'm remembering what I read correctly. But hopefully the Mets can get the sweep today. Hopefully they could go into Colorado. The Rockies are no one's hitting over in Colorado besides Ryan McMahon, which is good for me because I am I have Ryan McMahon on my fantasy team, but not good for Rockies fans as they currently sit in last place and no one's really doing anything offensively besides McMahon, which is a shame because their pitching has a lot of a lot of potential and has been very good at times. But now that's all for the Mets, not much going on. Uh, I find it well, the first couple games everyone was like, oh my god, the Mets are gonna Mets again. I told you, they just needed a couple games, get their feet going. Now they're off and running. They looked fantastic last night. The past couple games, Lindor's starting to heat up, get himself going. Alonzo in Conforto, if the Mets can get them going a little bit, especially Conforto. Conforto's off to a slow, slow, slow start. But if those two can get things going, the Mets will be a f- offensive firepower. Dom has been doing his thing. Brandon Nimmo had, oh, he's a fourth outfielder. Brandon Nimmo has been the best player, besides Jacob DeGrom, the best player on the Mets thus far this season. He last, I believe last night he took over the major league lead and on base percentage. Brandon Nimmo is very is the hardest guy to get out in baseball right now. So I I mean I said over the offseason, I think I was one of the only Mets fans comfortable having Nimmo out in center field because we've seen what he can do before. And he's certainly on track to keep that going. He's I can't believe Mets, some Mets fans are, have been trying to, I guess, want him to get shipped out for the past couple years. Nimmo has been nothing but great with the Mets. He's got a great personality. He plays hard, hustles every single... He still sprints to first on a walk, which I absolutely love. But that's, you know, that's an argument for another day about Nimmo. I think Nimmo should stay a Met for the long term. Uh, but again, a lot of fans have a lot of fans have wanted him out for the past couple years. But right now, he's besides Degrom, he's the best player on the team right now, or to start the year. So we'll we'll go with that. But that's all for the Mets. Now to Major League Baseball, where we're going to talk about the standings. But before we talk about the standings, last night history was made in Chicago. Carlos Rodon threw a no hitter against the Cleveland Indians, who will be the Cleveland Cleveland Indians for the rest of this year before they change their name to whatever they end up changing it to next year. Carlos Rodon was the number three overall pick back in 2014. He's coming back. I've heard his name so much, but I haven't seen much of him because he's always, he's had a lot of injury issues he had. 
uh, shoulder surgery back in 2017, I believe it was. He had Tommy John in 2019. Last year was non-tendered by the White Sox. They brought him back, and now he threw a no-hitter last night. An unbelievable story. But it did not come with some excitement in the ninth and some controversy. So for those of you who didn't watch, I tuned in for the last three innings because I was watching the Mets, and then I saw that what Rodon was doing, and then I flipped it on. Rodon was perfect through eight and a third innings. He was perfect. No Cleveland Indians stepped foot on first base. The first out in the ninth, ground ball, a little dinker to Jose Abreu, the reigning AL MVP. The only way that that ball was going to be an out was if Abreu took it himself. He beat out, uh, I believe it was Naylor, to first, he just beat him out by... about half a step-ish, a little bit more than half a step, just beat him out and to get the first out. Incredible play to start the ninth. So I see that, and my first thought is, all right, every no-hitter or perfect game in baseball has, like, that play. Like, the play that when it happens, you're like, all right, it's automatic, he's going to do it. You know, with Johan Santana, his no-hitter in 2012, it was the Mike Baxter catch out in left field. When he made that catch where he ran into the wall, you were like, Yep, Johan's gonna do it tonight. When I saw when I you know, when Abreu touched on first, they did the replay review. He was still out. I was like, all right, he's gonna do it. Now, at this point, I am nervous because I have never seen a perfect game. There has been perfect games in my lifetime. I believe I could be very wrong, so don't quote me on this. I think the last perfect game, if I'm not mistaken, was Dallas Braden's. On Mother's Day. Let me just look this up quick. And I say i never seen a perfect game before because when the last perfect game in Major League history, I'm just pulling it up quick. There's been 20... Oh no, it was Felix's perfect game. Okay, I was way wrong. So the last perfect game was Felix Felix Hernandez's perfect game back in 2012. And before that, it was Matt Cain, Philip Humber, Roy Holiday, and then Dallas Braden. Wow, I was way, way off there. But 2012 was the last perfect game. I was 12 years old. I'm going to be honest. It was almost 10 years ago now. I don't remember 10 years ago. I don't remember watching Felix's perfect game. I doubt I even knew what a perfect game was when I was 12 years old. It doesn't. Perfect games are the rarest thing in baseball to have happen. There's a reason there's only been 23 in Major League history. But I wanted to see a perfect game. You know, it would be the first perfect game that I, like, I physically watched in my lifetime, which I hope that at some point in my lifetime I will see, either on TV or in person. I'm not going to try and be that person to be picky, but I would love to watch a perfect game. I thought we were going to see it last night. Roberto Perez comes up, uh, the catcher for the Indians. Rodon throws it in, and it hits Perez on his... On his right foot, I had to do the motion quick. On his right foot, right on top of the foot. And at first glance, I thought it bounced on the dirt right into his foot. And then he st- and then Perez kind of was shaking his foot out. Oh, I was like, okay, so the ball must have skidded up and hit him. And then the ump gives him first base. And I was like, no way that hit his foot. And then you look at the replay, and it cl- it clearly hit his foot before it hit the ground. 
which at first glance, I thought it hit the ground first. But, so Roberto Perez gets first. It ends the perfect game with one out in the ninth. He was two outs away from baseball immortality. Now, I say controversy because you could tell um, Carlos Rodon was a little annoyed. He kind of he gave Perez kind of a bra moment, or like a bra look. He's like, come on, you couldn't move a little bit out of that? Now, a lot of people say that Perez, and Perez will probably hear it from White Sox fans for the rest of his career, or at least the rest of this year. A lot of people think that Perez should have made more of an effort to get out of the way. It's an 8 nothing game in the ninth inning of a potential perfect game. At that, You don't want to give it to him, but you'd think he'd give a little bit more. From a White Sox fan perspective, you want him to give a little bit more effort. Or in general, even if a perfect game wasn't on the line. Perez didn't give any really any effort to get out of the way or try and avoid getting hit. So for White Sox fans, they were obviously upset because they wanted more of an effort from Perez to get out of the way. The counter-argument would be that, you know, perfect game is not given. There's a reason there's only been 23 in Major League history. He has to earn it, which is a fair argument. And Perez, I'm not saying Perez intentionally stood there because he knew it was going to hit him. But, I mean, it's it was a, it was a toss-up. I think, my personal opinion, I think he should have made... Even if a perfect game wasn't on the line, I think he should have made a little bit more effort to get out of the way. But the fact that there's a perfect game on the line, 8 nothing lead. Again, you don't want to give it to him. You don't want to just give him a perfect game. But it's, I don't know, maybe to me it's kind of like a, like a, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a, I don't know. I don't help a bro- help a guy out. Maybe I don't know how what the best way to describe that would be, but if that if I were Roberto Perez, I would have made more of an effort to get out of the way, just because I don't want to get hit by a pitch. You know, you we've seen in the past with guys get hit by pitch. Sometimes it could lead to injuries or something. You don't know how hard it's going to hit you or where it's going to hit you. So if you can avoid getting hit at all costs, no matter where it is, you could get hit on the foot hard enough and it could bruise your foot and then it's hard for you to run next thing you know you're on the IL for 10 days so if I were in his Perez's spot I would have made more of an effort to get out of the way not to ruin the perfect game or spoil the perfect game but because I don't want to get hit by the pitch but again that just may be me that may be a completely far out there uh, thought on how I would have handled it but we were two outs away two outs away and Rodon knew it too he was getting fired up those last couple innings, I uh, finished off with seven strikeouts. He was screaming, pounding his glove, walking off the mound. It was awesome to watch. Everything he's been through, incredible, incredible performance from Rodon. I know he probably wanted the perfect game, but a no-hitter is still something. It's still baseball history in my eyes. And it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Jose Tabra, if any of you remember him, this was a few years ago. Uh, Max Scherzer of the Nationals was pitching against the Pirates. He had a perfect game into the ninth, and Jose Tabra got hit in the elbow by a pitch, and it looked like he leaned into it. So it kind of reminded me of that, except Perez didn't lead into it, but the situation kind of reminded me of that. But it was clear in Tabra's case that he didn't lean into it. But in this case, I, but in this case, Perez, I'm not saying Perez 
intentionally like stood there to get hit. But you get the idea. But congratulations to Carlos Rodon, the 20th no-hitter in the history of the Chicago White Sox. The second no-hitter this year, Joe Musgrove last week, as we remember, had the first of 2021 and the first in Padres history. So who's next? And who is going to throw that perfect game? I cannot wait to see the next time a perfect game happens. I was really hoping for it last night. I thought Rodon was going to have it the way he was looking. He threw his hardest pitch of the ninth in the of the night in the ninth inning he knew he knew it he knew it he was trying to finish it up he was so ready to start celebrating but it was a fantastic fantastic night congratulations to Carlos Rodon now the last thing for today is a little standings update going on around Major League Baseball we're going to start in the West NL West the NLS and AOS are hard for me to watch because I live on the East Coast they are on the West Coast, so their games are 10 o'clock at night. I don't normally watch the West Coast games unless it's the Angels because I like watching Trout and Otani or the Dodgers because I like watching Bauer. I love watching San Diego too just because of how much excitement is there. But West Coast games are a little harder for me to watch considering they're on so late and by the end of the day I'm tired and I, I want to go to bed. But in the NL West, the Dodgers, of course... They're doing their thing. They're 10-2 and two on the year. San Francisco. The Giants currently sit in second, a half game above the Padres. The Giants are off to a good start. They have... The Giants, I don't see them... They're obviously not going to catch the Dodgers. San Diego will get going. I think San Francisco will finish third in that division. I believe that's what I had them finishing in my predictions. But San Francisco, I wouldn't be surprised, assuming they could keep this momentum up, I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck around for, and maybe made some noise for a potential wild card spot. I'm not saying they're going to get it, but they certainly can make a little bit of excitement. They missed the playoffs last year by, I want to say, maybe a game or two. They missed a wild card spot. So it's certainly something to keep an eye on. They're off to a great, great start on the year. And then Arizona and Colorado, we expect to be at the bottom. Colorado... I feel so bad for Rockies fans. They basically, Fuzzy said it. I laugh every time I think of it. When they made the Nolan Arenado trade, they gave Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals for essentially a bag of yellow Starburst, which I think is hilarious. A hilarious way to describe it. Uh, next division is the NL Central. Pirates are the Pirates. You know, they're, they're, they're the Pirates. The Cubs can't hit for anything. There's obviously been there's been some drama with the Cubs with the Wilson Contreras intentionally allegedly intentionally leaning in, trying to get hit by a pitch, and then the Cubs throwing behind uh Brandon Woodruff the other night and Brandon Woodruff being very upset. Cubs are just they're they're just I was expecting a little bit more excitement from the Cubs, but so it is still early. It is still April, but I was expecting a little more from the Cubs. The Cincinnati Reds and Brewers are tied for first. I said that I had the Brewers winning this division, I believe. The Reds' offense has been unbelievable to start the year. They get Sonny Gray back, I believe, tomorrow. I believe tomorrow Sonny Gray will come back out. He started the year on the IL. They did lose Bauer, but Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, they still got some nice arms there. They still got some great offense there. Tyler Naquin has figured something out. Jonathan India, one of their up-and-coming stars. They've had their, uh, Nick Castellanos leading the way. The Reds offensively are going to be so much fun to watch. If their pitching can keep it together, if that bullpen can keep it together, 
I think the Phillies, or not the Phillies, wow, the Reds are going to also be like the Giants. They're going to make a lot of noise for a wild card spot. In the NL East, like we mentioned in the beginning, the Mets currently are in first at 5-3, and three, and then everyone else in the division is at 500 or lower. Again, it is still early, so it's hard to really judge anything. The Braves are 4-8 and eight and are in fourth place, but Acuna, Max Fried just went on the IL after two horrible starts. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team, so I was I was not happy with the regression to start the year for Max Fried. But when he comes back from injury, hopefully everything's all good. Uh, but the Braves won't be there for long. Acuna is the only one hitting. Acuna is 19 for his last 34 at one point last night and six home runs in that span. He could, he said he wanted to go 40-40. He can honestly go 50-50. Acuna is so freaking good. I said it on Tuesday too. Acuna is so good and so much fun to watch. And then the Nationals are 3-6. and six. They had a slow start because of COVID issues, but now they're starting to get guys back, so hopefully they can get a little bit, a little bit something going. Uh, Miami, Miami's sticking around though. I said just like the Reds, the Miami's going to be a scrappy little bunch. You know they're going to make, they're going to surprise a lot of people. They're certainly trending in the right direction. They're going to make some teams work a little harder than they may think. Now in the American League, I'm going to do the ALS last because, uh, no, I'm going to do the AL East last because I want to have some fun with Yankees fans. In the AL West. The Angels are in first place at 7-5. The Mariners are half game back. The Houston Astros have f- lost five in a row and are back at 500, followed by Oakland and Texas. Oakland I th- Oakland just needs to get going. They've won four in a row. They had, what, an 0-6 start to the year. They'll get going. Houston, I hate Houston. Still do. But they are, very, they are a very good team. They are a very good team. I will give them that. Christian Javier... And their up-and-coming starters are uh, Irikidi, if I pronounce that right, Irikidi. They have some great up-and-coming arms. And this is without Verlander, too. So whenever Verlander comes back, and then they still got Granky leading the way. Granky was not so good the other night, but he, he throws a 51-mile-hour EFIS or curve or whatever it is. Zach Granky's a national treasure. We must protect him at all costs. But the Angels in first place. Rendon just went on the I.L., uh, if the Angels can stay healthy, offensively they're set. It's their pitching. It's their pitching. If it's same with the Reds, their offenses, both teams' offense are amazing. It's just their pitching needs to. They need to st- not get injured, and their pitching needs to step up. And so far, the Angels are doing very well. The ALS, AL West may be a lot more open than people think. And I am just looking at the AL Central standings. For the first time this year, I did not know the Kansas City Royals were in first place. That is a huge surprise to me. Six and four, followed by the Indians, White Sox, Tigers, Twins. Twins have lost five in a row, but the Twins are too good. They're not going to stay there for long. Same with the White Sox at 500. They're not going to stay there for long. And then, obviously, Detroit with Akil Tabu when he keeps doing his thing. Cleveland is... Cleveland... I guess Shane Bieber was lights out the other night. But Kansas City, they're, they're also trending in the right, right direction. I honestly had no idea they got off to this good of a start. Good for, good for Kansas City. And then lastly, 
the AL East. Uh, Tampa Bay currently sits in last at 5-7. Boston, after starting 0-3, has won 9 in a row. Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez are absolutely mashing. 9 in wins in a row. They are 9-3, have a 3-game lead over the Blue Jays, who are at 500, followed by the Orioles, and then the Yankees. <laughs> now, I don't like. I don't want to be like that, but I, I, I find it funny. I... <laughs> As a Mets fan, like, it's part of my job as a Mets fan to trash on the Yankees when they do bad, because when the Mets are bad, Yankees fans do it back. It's part of the rivalry. It's what makes it fun. You know, it's fun to trash on the Yankees, just like for Yankees fans, it's fun to trash on the Mets. It's part of the rivalry. It's all in good fun. The Yankees are an amazing team. I'm not going to deny that. They're not going to stay there forever, but right now they are not off to a good start. And all I'm going to say on the Yankees is Kyle Higashioka should be their starting catcher. At least right now, he should be their starting catcher. Gary Sanchez is absolute mammoth home runs as he can hit. He has just been abysmal behind the plate. Again, I don't like the badmouth players because they're doing a million times better than I could ever do. But Gary Sanchez has just not been good defensively. He can hit. There's no question he can hit. But defensively, he's just struggled so much. Uh, from the few plays I've seen this year and just throughout his career, he's he's struggled. I think right now the Yankees need to start going with Kyle Higashioka more. But again, I'm not Aaron Boone. I don't make the decisions. But the last little bit for today is... Can I see the wild... No, I can't. Well, I can see the league settings. Uh, league standings. So if the season ended today, I know this is way too early predictions... But, obviously, you have your division winners. In the American League would be Boston, Kansas City, and the Angels. And the two wildcard teams would be Cleveland and Seattle. And then in the American League, it would be Dodgers, Giants, Mets. Is, yep. Do, no. Dodgers, Mets, Reds, I believe, would be the division winners. And then Giants and Padres would be the wild card. If I can figure that out, if I'm reading this correctly. But again, that means nothing because it is two weeks into the season. It's still April. None of that means anything, but it is fun to look at. It is it is fun to look at. So the last little bit for today is part two of Today in Baseball History. Obviously, Jackie Robinson Day. The other thing is on today in 2005, the Washington Nationals became the Washington Nationals. They played their first game in D.C., the, the formal, formerly known as the Montreal Expos. They played their first game in D.C., the first major league game in D.C. since 1971. The Nats beat Arizona in when it was called RFK Stadium. President at the time was George W. Bush, who threw out the first pitch at the game. Uh, the, if I'm reading this, after receiving the ball from Joe Gerzenda? Joe Grizenda, the former Washington reliever who threw the final pitch before the Senators moved to Texas. So to, on today in 2005, the Nationals became the Nationals. They moved from Montreal. Maybe we'll see a team from Montreal in the future. Who knows? Maybe we'll see another Montreal team. But from a stats standpoint, I don't know how that would work out. Would it? Like Vlad, Vlad Guerrero, for example, would he still count Expos? Or like Montreal, or I don't know. That'd be weird. But we'll see what happens. 
But that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week of Raise the Apple. We had an episode on Tuesday and our episode today. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe down below. On YouTube, make sure you subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RT underscore pod. And hopefully the Mets play a game today. We got about time of finishing recording now, about 20 minutes till first pitch. I have not looked on Twitter to see if the tarp is still on the field. I can double check right here. I should know this beforehand. All right. Oh. Oh, hold on. So first of all, okay, Mike Puma, Mets writer, said the Mets have opened the gates and there are people there. So right now we're going to have a game, but we do. This is, I'm seeing this for the first time. Oh, okay. Okay, I don't like doing this. You will never see me do this again, but because I was seeing if the tarp was still on the field, we have this from We Gotta Believe Podcast, which is the Mets podcast with Barstool. Their tweet 25 minutes ago, exclusive, another Mets scandal is on the way, and the full story will be released tomorrow per sources. Oh, boy. And then KFC Barstool, who is the Mets guy for Barstool Sports, said Mets fans, buckle up, we're going back into the blunder tomorrow. Oh, boy. So maybe... De- oh, and... Jeez. Mike Puma just tweeted 15 seconds ago, we are officially in a rain delay. So today's game will be starting with a delay, and we may have an episode this... a bonus episode this weekend, assuming that Barstool tweet is correct. We may have another Mets scandal. I don't know what else... what more the Mets could possibly have gotten themselves into. But I guess we'll see. We pay, Stay tuned for potentially a bonus episode this weekend. And we will, this game today is starting in a rain delay. Hopefully it does not stay that way. Hopefully we get a game in today. But back to wrapping this thing up. Wow, that was not part of the plan, but good surprise. So we may see you this weekend, depending on what the story is. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow us on social media at RT underscore pod. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we will see you next time. Let's go Mets.